Ladies and gentlemen, here we are, finally. It is the return of Turnbuckle Takeover. I'm your host, Billy Bailey. How are you guys doing? It is August, I think the first, the second. It is August 2nd. We are back. Um, I want to apologize to my fans. I took a little break. <laughs> um, with the virus going on and everything, I felt like that there were some things I needed to concentrate on in my personal life, get it together. <laughs> so, um, here we are, we're back. Uh, still no fans in the crowd for wrestling yet. Um, the business is kind of going into this weird, like, transitional period. Um, there seems to be this, um, lack of really trying to drive home angles. It's like, Okay, well, let's just go ahead and put together a show, put it out there, get the ratings, get what we get, and we'll deal with it when, when the virus is over. Unfortunately, that's not how wrestling truly works. Um, one of the biggest things, problems that I'm having with this is there are things that are being done that are being wasted. Because let me explain. This goes for Impact. This goes for AEW. Really doesn't go for WWE. Um, and the reason being is, is because WWE has not had any debuts. And I'm getting into this. And of course, as I get down the list of stuff that I have to talk to, by the way, don't want to get off the topic. However, I am not going to be doing the show based off of results and explaining every single thing in the show. Let me tell you why. It just becomes too much. Some things aren't even worth talking about. I went through a bunch of my videos and went back and looked back and realized that I could literally cut about anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes off of each video. Because let's be honest, folks. Wrestling's in a tough position right now. It's hard to talk about wrestling. In fact, it's hard to even get behind it. But that's what we're here to do today. We're here to talk professional wrestling. That's what we're going to do. So, with all that behind us, let's just go ahead and get to the show. I'm going to start off with the top five WWE. This is not the top five for the week, by the way. This is just like, I'm going to do like five big bullet points on each promotion. The stuff that really means something. The stuff that doesn't mean something, you all judge. And, and, and if there's something that I feel like I need to include, maybe I'll make another short video. I don't know. But let's get through this one first. <laughs> so, um, let's. One of the big issues I have with what I'm about to talk about, and that's Big E. Basically, I guess he's going to do a singles run because he deserves it. Okay, fine. He does deserve it. I like Big E. I've actually been a fan of Big E for a very long time. Um, I actually was a fan of New Day. Uh, I have a big problem with the whole pancake thing. So, they are great athletes. They are a, um, fantastic tag team. Biggie as a singles guy can work. If there's any of the three that I could believe as a singles wrestler, it's Big E. I had a hard time with the whole Kofi Kingston thing. And let me explain. Yes, I know. Kofi des deserved his moment in his, his, his glory moment, I guess. However, I want you to go back and look. And you can do this on your own research. I don't have to do it for you. And numbers don't lie. The moment that Kofi Kingston became the WWE Champion ratings started to drop these guys that they're putting into a position that are glorified mid carters i'm sorry i'm not saying that kofi has not busted his butt he has he's a glorified mid carter as a tag team he's the best tag team in wwe other than the uzos because let's just be honest the tag team division for wwe is looking rough Xavier Woods is still hurt. I haven't even seen Xavier Woods that much. So, with, with that being said, 
the time to put Big E in this position is not now. I understand they need somebody for Braun. Really, there's been nothing for Braun. We'll get into that because that's one of my big stories. However, Big E in the ring is ready. Big E has a persona, but in order to make him believable as a champion, you have to change his gimmick or his persona. I can't take Big E serious as a champion throwing pancakes around. I'm sorry, or, or blowing a trombo, or, or the, the, the stick of the new day is to be the new day. It's to be to do their stick of pancakes and, and the trombone and, and dancing around and making jokes and making one-liner funnies like, and great backstage segments. However, they need tag teams. This is not the time to be splitting up tag teams like WWE does. Like every once, three or four or five years, they get a good tag team together and boom, they split them. Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane and Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson uh, Hawk and Animal, Axe and Smash. They didn't break up until, like, either one of them retired or the other one just quit the business. Or the other one died, unfortunately. But what is the need to keep breaking up tag teams? It just drives me so crazy as to why you could sit here and really honestly split up one of the best tag teams you got if not the only best tag team you got uh, it's one of the things WWE does that makes me so mad and if I'm saying only if the brand extension comes back and it is a rumor even though I don't like talking about rumors the, the brand extension in the drafts a big deal so come October supposedly there's going to be a brand extension are they going to split up the New Day completely? I would be interested to know that. Are they going to throw Kofi on Raw? Or throw Big E on Raw? To give somebody to feud with McIntyre? I like that. If that happens, I'm okay. If he gets stuck into the SmackDown whirlpool of I don't have a big angle, then he's just going to be Big E. Nothing special. If he feuds with Drew McIntyre... I could see that going a lot of places. Him and Braun, I don't see it going anywhere. Same thing, though. Two big guys. Two two guys that can move well in the ring. So maybe it would work out. I just see the Drew McIntyre, um, Big E, um, whole angle playing out a lot better. It just seems like it could be made of a big deal. You could go ahead and move Big E from SmackDown to Raw, turn him heel instantly. Excuse me, folks. And boom, there you go. And you can even do that on SmackDown. Problem is, you got Kofi and Xavier, like, he he's, they're really getting behind him. Okay, you can do this, Biggie. you can do this, Biggie. What point does Biggie just snap and say, I don't need you anymore. I can do this on my own. That's what it's going to come down to. Um... I had somebody hit me up and ask me, did they do this for the Black Lives Matter? Can we can we quit that? Probably. Vince has probably said, okay, yeah. Um, it would help. Maybe it would make people, you know, think of things differently. I, I don't know. But neither here nor there. Let's try to keep politics and wrestling away from each other. God's sakes, politics is in everything. Can wrestling be the one thing that I have in my life that I don't wake up in the morning to some damn bad news. Because for the last three months, even in wrestling, it's just been nothing but bad news. It's been listening to some guys say that they're not having any problem with WWE and how they're they're doing things. And you got other people on the other side saying, oh, this is horrible, i got to travel, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? Same thing goes for essential people who work in essential, essential businesses. Like, do you really, um, I don't know how to say this. Do you really put all your marbles behind Biggie? Do you really do it? That's the big thing here. Biggie needs a crowd to do this. And everything I'm talking about, you're probably going to hear me actually say that a lot today. 
because the big problem we're going to have with this Big E push is there's no crowd. So I've spent entirely too long on this Big E rant, but it, that, that's, that's where we're at with it. Also over on SmackDown, The Fiend attacked Alexa Bliss. Now if you don't see this, 1,450 miles away, then I don't know what wrestling you've been watching. Not only did she appear in the thing with Braun at Extreme Rules Horror Show, which, what a horrible name for a show that's in July. <laughs> it's like they're throwing stuff together to see what sticks on the wall. But, I, in a weird way, and I don't understand why I like this, I don't know if it where it makes sense maybe but even then does it make sense so it's like i don't know man it's such one of those things where it's different it's kind of hip but it's like where well where did that what wait a minute <laughs> i know braun and alexa bliss had this like secret um I don't know, relationship on TV. I, it's it's like they use it when they got to. It stems back from the intergender mix match challenge stuff. But... Her and Sister Abigail? Ah, I don't know. I mean, could she play the part? Very well she could be. Alexa Bliss is a great actress. But, uh... Yeah, where's this going? Who's the fiend going to feud with? And, 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 and how do you go from making Alexa Bliss Sister Abigail, and even if you booked it for a couple weeks and rode with the angle, who's going to be the guy? Is it Braun? Do you keep Braun with the fiend again? Like, when does this get old, Vince? When does it get old? It gets old a lot. It's, it's like rehashing the same stuff, but this is where we come in with a crowd. Okay, if you have a crowd, you can do more things. I think they are literally rehashing everything that they can. That might even date back six months ago. We're still in basically the same feuds. There's been a couple guys that have been pushed, but there is nobody that has grabbed the brass ring throughout this whole ordeal. The only person, and this this is no lie, there's only a handful of select people who have taken this pandemic and have rode with it. Randy Orton's being one. Randy Orton's stuff in the last three months has the made it's a, it's really made me the only reason for me to sit down and watch Raw on Monday nights because his promos are fantastic the rest of the show is the drizzling craps I'm sorry it is so hard to get behind wrestling with a fan I didn't without fans I didn't think it was going to be a big deal it has literally, to the point, gotten me to where I had to stop doing the show for a month because I'm like, well, what am I going to talk about? And I'm almost still at that point now. Before the pandemic happened, I had about three pages full of wrestling stuff to talk about. I went on for like an hour. Okay, we're 13 minutes in. And I'm already like, okay, i got to slow down a little bit because I don't have much to work with here. <laughs> you know, so it's like... But, neither here nor there. Um, what does everybody think about MP, M, MVP's new group? I was at first like, oh, I don't know about that. that ain't done to it. I'm not a big fan of MVP's in-ring work. He's like lackluster when it comes to any of his moves. He runs around slow. He's had knee problems. He's had arm problems. He's an older dude from the... I don't know. I guess you could call him Ruthless Aggression Era. Whatever you want to say. My biggest issue is... I don't know how far this group's going to go before somebody dismantles it. Maybe Lashley. I, I don't know. I would like them to really do something with Shelton Benjamin. 
giving him the 24-7 title is fine. If you're going to make that belt mean something. So here's my idea. After you give the belt finally to somebody like Shelton Shelton Benjamin instead of R-Truth. Which, hey, there's people that like R-Truth and to each their own. But Shelton Benjamin is a hell of an athlete. And when Shelton Benjamin got released, I think it was two, three years ago. I was praying to God that he either went to Ring of Honor or Impact. This is before AEW was a thing. So don't hit me with that later on. <laughs> so, I wanted him at the time. Now you gotta think, we're like three years ago. I wanted him to go to Impact. It would have made the most sense. Kurt was still there, so it might have actually been four years ago. Four or five years ago. Either or. He could have been a huge star because he's athletic. And that's what the Impact Ring of Honor crowd like to watch. They, they don't like backstage segments all the time. They like in-ring. Tell me a story in the ring. Which I guess is a lost art in WWE because I, nobody's told me any kind of story in a ring in about two years. So, and that's even before the pandemic. So don't give me that crap. <laughs> so, um, let's go to Braun as a champion. I did touch on this a few minutes ago. Braun Strowman as champion has not moved the ratings needle, and I don't know if you all care about ratings or not. Uh, I, I mean, Vince cares about ratings because of the network and other things and money and what's, you know, what can he sell advertisers? You putting Braun as your champion ain't turning hits. Sorry, it was just a band-aid to fix the problem. When it, the problem's still there, even though you put a band-aid on it. Um, I don't know why AJ Styles. I understand that the Intercontinental title needs some help, and there's no better person to put Intercontinental title on than AJ Styles. I would have much rather seen AJ Styles, who was just coming off the whole. Boneyard match with The Undertaker. It was the most talked about thing, really, that Taker's done in years. It was... And this goes for Good Brothers, too. Uh, I know they're... Well, I'm going to get to them. I don't want to jump to them too quick. We're still on Braun. But the Good Brothers were in this. Whole shebang. So why not let AJ Styles... I would have never released the Good Brothers anyway. That's a loss on WWE and a game for Impact. But making Braun the champion, like, even if you had done it just to do it, to get the belt off of Goldberg, great. Wonderful. Do it. Then maybe get rid of, make him a transitional champion. Here we are in August. He's still the champion. He's not had any good angles. He's really not done anything special. He's been thrown in tag matches. He had a handicap match against the tag team. He has nothing to work with, folks. Braun is like a, a, the puppy that lost its way. Like, nothing. They have gave him nothing. So I can't get behind him as a champion because there's nothing to get behind. <laughs> like, they're not giving me... Like, let me put this... Okay, let me put this in perspective for you. If a kid walks into Walmart to go buy an action figure, even if I do it, okay? Because I collect figures, you all know that. But if I go to Walmart and there's a Braun action figure sitting there, but there's a Seth Rollins or an AJ Styles, and I don't have that AJ Styles or Seth Rollins, I'm not even going to realize Braun Strowman's sitting over here on the shelf. I'm just going to grab that AJ Styles figure, I'm going to put it in my cart, and I'm going to walk away. Braun doesn't do that for me. And your champion should be the guy that is the guy. The champion's not just a champion. The, cha the title is not a prop. And people need to stop. It bothers me when people say that the title's the prop. Was the title a prop to Mike Tyson? Was the title a prop to any of the UFC fighters? And you all know how I feel about UFC, but they take their championships very seriously. WWE does not take their championships serious at all. If ever. I don't know where it... I think it got lost in the Attitude Era. Because you had... Title change, title change, title change, title change, title change, title change, and then no explanation. It was like, put the belt on him, put the belt on him. I mean, some of them like Mankind, The Rock, Austin, 
but have like Kane having the title for a short time just to drop it back to Austin, I guess to play off the Kane momentum back in the day. But you get my drift. Braun was not ready. Braun isn't ready, but Braun could be ready. They dropped the ball with him a year before they even gave him the belt. So that that's my that's my thing on Braun. Let's get into Drew McIntyre. Uh, his run as champion has been meaningful. It has meant more. I've taken it more seriously than I have anything that Braun has done. Um, it's funny because they did the thing with Ziggler and Morrison, who took on Braun. Then they turn around and move Ziggler to Raw in a SmackDown trade and sent AJ over to SmackDown because he wasn't happy with Paul Heyman. And that is not a rumor. He stressed that himself on his own gaming site. I don't understand how the Paul Heyman thing didn't work out. Did Vince give him the whole book? Because he made Drew McIntyre the champion. That worked out well. He was pushing Aleister Black. I was getting behind Aleister Black. Now Vince McMahon is literally trying to crush half the guys that Heyman was trying to book. So what's his feeling on McIntyre? Because if you try to crush that guy, he is going to go to AEW and probably become one of the biggest stars that you've ever given up. Because it, it's like a... <laughs> this is the best way to put WWE. WWE is the shark, and it's circling its prey. And it just keeps circling and circling until it finally finds something it wants to eat, and then it grabs onto it, and it just eats it and keeps eating it all the way till the end of the bones. My example here, my analogy here, is the fact that Vince will take a group of guys, spin it into a web of, oh, this guy's really, really good. We're going to keep it on him. We're going to keep the belt on him. And then the next thing you know, he's gone. He's nowhere to be found. He's lost in his shuffle. That's what we're going to have here with Drew McIntyre. If we don't get this big feud either with Seth or, look, I know the pandemic's starting to wrench in things. You got people like Roman Reigns who's on the bench. Kevin Owens doesn't want to work. So there's two big names right there you could probably do something with. There are issues. There are problems that is out of Drew McIntyre's control. However, booking is in your control with what you got. So why not, after building Aleister Black for months, they have built him? For months. And it's like, okay, well, here you go. Just, that shark didn't like that food, so we're just going to, that's just going to decay to die. And that's that's how I feel about, like, really most of the WWE roster. Let's push them. They don't get over. Okay, then let's stomp them in the ground. Let's try to push them again. No, they didn't get over. It's time to stop pushing these guys that don't have talent. And I'm not saying Drew McIntyre doesn't have talent, so don't take that and run with it. I'm talking about the guys that are getting TV time and then the guys that aren't getting TV time. If you look at the guys who aren't getting TV time, they're the guys that should be on TV. The guys that are getting TV time are getting too much TV time. Let me give you a case in point with the MVP group, okay? Lashley is the guy to come out of that group looking like a, you know, golden roses. But what's going to happen to MVP and Shelton when there's nothing for him to do. Are they rebuilding McIntyre and Drew again to have them interfere, little semi-matches, stuff like that, before he gets to, you know, uh, before he gets to uh, Lashley? Drew could do that. That could put a couple weeks of TV together. But here's the crazy thing. Like, why not McIntyre against Seth and build that all the way till SummerSlam? I don't, I'm not sure who Drew's going to take on at SummerSlam. I'm not sure who Braun's going to take on at SummerSlam, unless it's The Fiend. And that's where we get the debut of Sister Abigail, which is a very good possibility. I don't know how far they're going to run with this. That's WWE's um, pinpoint bullet points. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. But uh, uh, let's take a break for a second, and let's get into like, subscribing, hit that notification bell. Please, I am really trying to get this to take off. 
Um, I've gotten so many opinions from people. Some people want me to cut the, make the show longer. Like, Christ, you really want to hear me listen for an hour or talk for an hour and a half? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, I do want to give a couple shout-outs. Um, Les Bowman has a page. Um, I've got to look up the name real quick because I don't want to... I really don't want to screw his stuff up. Uh, give me one second here. Marva Storm News. Marva Storm News. Go and give Les a like. Join the group. Look, Les loves the weather. Um, and... Um, He's very good at what he does. So go ahead and go over there. Give him a shout. Uh, especially with the hurricane coming. He's got some real good informative news. Um, I think it would be great for everybody. You know, there's no local news around here. So for somebody to take time out of their day to go storm hunt. And literally, I mean, the guy works as a security officer. He's busy all the time. He's taking time out of his day to give you all the weather. Take some time out of your day. Go ahead and like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell for less, so he can get some views. He's up to like, I think he has like 500 members, which is just fantastic. Um, fortunately, wrestling doesn't have a niche like that around here, so it's hard for me to grab those kind of numbers. But uh, actually, right now he's got 539 as I'm looking at it. So uh, go ahead and 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 give like uh, uh, less a like, subscribe, and notification bell for me if you guys don't mind. And uh, do the same for me. Let's get back into the swing of things. Okay. AEW. I'd have to say out of all the shows in the last month, AEW has been putting on some really, really good stuff. There were so many bullet points that I had to actually cut it out. Um, am I a huge AEW fan? Somebody has asked me that. Do you like AEW? Because people say, oh, well, it sounds like you talk about AEW more than you talk about WWE. I beg to differ. It's about almost 50-50. What I need to start talking about is Impact more. And what you all need to do is start really watching Impact and AEW and you could actually do away with WWE until this whole pandemic crap is over with. Because they obviously don't know how to put a show on without crowds. Those two do. Now, let me get to this. AEW, the tag division. First off, I haven't seen a tag division like this. Um... I'm trying to think recent times. I mean, NXT had a great tag division probably about... three years ago, four years ago, maybe even five. Three, th anywhere from three to five years, they had a hell, and I mean a hell of a tag team division. They, I mean, I mean but AEW's got FTR, the Bucks, the, even the Butcher and Blade, the Jurassic Express are getting over with the kids big time. The best friends are over. Um, if I didn't say the Lucha Bros, them, um, phew, Hangman and, and Kenny, which we'll get into that. That's not going to last too much longer. Um, I mean, it's just like, I feel like I haven't even named half of them. <laughs> like, I mean, the Dark Order. Um, the uh, SCU. Like, good grief. They could literally, and I, I, I never thought I'd be able to say this in the history of my life again. They could literally do a tag team tournament. <gasps> oh my gosh. A company has a tag team division that has enough tag teams to actually work angles with. And this was my point about the Big E thing earlier. How are you going to get rid of one of your best tag teams that you have ever had? AEW is doing the right thing with their tag teams. They're building angles. They're making the tag titles mean something. They have made a lot of tag team matches their main event. Go ahead. I'll wait. When did the Raw or SmackDown tag team titles be put on the main event for the marquee show of that uh, match of that night for that show? I'll wait. I need to do research on this. And the next, you know, podcast I do, we'll discuss that a little bit. Anyway, kudos to AEW for your tag division. Slow down in the ring. Do your tag team rules and get that tag route back. Because you need it. 
because you guys don't know how to it's like you run 345 miles an hour and it's like jeez okay really um want to apologize for the fan in the background if y'all hear it um it's been super hot in this room and i'm trying to keep it cool anyway the women's division again we're right back at square one where we were at again um yikes <laughs> just yikes they need to seriously do away with this whole woman's division it needs to go it needs to go away I can't take it anymore. It needs to be thrown on dark. And you need to hit the reset button. I don't give a flying whatever. But you've got to fix this division. I am tired of working and watching and sitting and sleeping through all these woman matches. It is just so hard to do because no one is taking Vince's brass ring, so to speak, in AEW to even... Like, there's just nothing exciting about the women's division. I can't sit here and I have one name that pops out in my brain. So, we'll leave that there. Put the crap on dark until you get it under control. There's a bunch of guys that you're signing. You got no show or nothing for them. So, I'd keep that in mind or you need to quit signing people. Uh, how about Zack Ryder showing up on AEW? I'm super stoked for Matt Cardova. The AKA uh, Figure Broski, the AKA, you know, he, he's major wrestling figure podcast. He, he is the, I mean, he's basically the Michael Jordan of figure collecting. He says it himself. Um, this guy's over. And he's not over with as far as angle wise, he's over with the crowd. And let me explain. Figure collecting and wrestling is a big deal. And if you don't think it is, you're out of touch with wrestling. The figures that they're putting out compared to when I was growing up, like I had an LJN that didn't even move. And it was eight inches tall and hard, made of like rubber. And as soon as you hit them, the paint would fly off. <laughs> like these guys, like I'm looking over at some of the stuff I just bought. Like I just got the Christian figure in Matt Hardy and it look identical to them. It's like, well, what the f Like how the hell do you do that? Technology is a crazy thing nowadays. But that's why he's over with everyone and the internet crowd. He's over because people collect action figures, especially the Mattel ones. Um, so he's going to, him and Cody, he, he actually saved Cody this week from the Dark Order. This is a turn. I don't know if this is how they turn Cody to join the Horsemen. It's a very good possibility. These guys are best friends. And when I mean best friends, I mean real big friends. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, I think he's going to do well in AEW. And let's see if this guy can get a good push. And let's see if he can do something. Uh, Kenny is turning heel. Kenny Omega is on his way to the heel box. <laughs> like, he is, um, you can taste it, you can smell it, and you can feel it. He has heel written all over him. So, that's about where we are. Kenny and Adam Page are not going to be a tag team very much longer. Uh, next on AEW, something good to talk about. Jericho and Orange Cassidy feud. I ain't going to lie. When this Orange Cassidy guy first came in, I was like, oh, dear God, why is he doing this? What is this stick about? And it's over. I don't get it. The dude drew some of the highest ratings that AEW has ever had two weeks ago with his match with Jericho. I can't believe it. Like, I don't know what... Wrestling fans just... They're like, oh, just give me whatever. <laughs> like, is there any like point where you're like, this is stupid? Now, I know friends who have taken off from watching the pandemic, but they said when the crowd comes back, they're going to go watch again. I suggest you just go watch AEW now. Don't quit wasting your time with WWE. I get that WWE is the brand that we all grew up with. 
when we were kids and we were wrestling fans, we went into the Roses or the Ameses and we looked for WWF stuff. This is WWE. And trust me, folks, there's a huge difference. <laughs> so, okay, I think a lot of people that I know need to start trying new stuff with wrestling. I've noticed that a lot. Um, but this is new. Orange Cassidy is new. So, I got what I wanted. Build new stars. Well, I mean, AEW's... My problem with AEW is, here's their issue. They build new stars, but they bring in past stars. Those past stars get thrown by the wayside because they are building the new guys. That's actually better... Actually better than the other way around of how WCW used to do it. Let me give you a case in point. WCW would bring in Bret Hart. They did nothing with Bret except put him in NWO and gave him that outlandish special referee thing at Starcade. Bret should have came in as a heel in the NWO. They should have kicked Hogan out, and it would have been the biggest angle probably in the history of wrestling, other than Hogan turning and joining the NWO. Because at that point, the NWO started getting stale and you needed a babyface. If they destroyed Hogan every week, Bret was... You could have got another four or five years out of Bret. If he didn't get hurt by Goldberg, that could have still happened. Who knows? Fate is fate. I see my white cat's trying to get some uh, some sun this morning. <laughs> so that's AEW. That's where we're at. I'm going to jump to Impact. No break needed because I don't want to take a break because we're already at 36 minutes. The big deal with Impact is they took the guys that they they built Slammiversary to be probably the biggest Slammiversary that they could possibly build. It was done well. They finally booked a show correctly. They made everybody that they had debut. And by the way, let's tuck into that for a second. Brian Myers, formerly Kurt Hawkins, shows up on Impact. Heath Slater is now an Impact as simply Heath. I heard he's going to be Heath Miller. I like that name for some weird reason. Uh, then you got the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, and then you have EC3. They literally had five return slash debuts at their show, and I'm not even sure they're done yet. I don't know where they got money. I do know that Slammiversary was the biggest buy rate they had done since Bound for Glory. Are you ready for this? 2000 and 10 if you're including impact with tna bound for glory 2010 was their highest pay-per-view total buys let me throw something else at you access tv never releases their ratings they are a privately owned company and i had to dig deep for this by cbs CBS does not have to release their ratings to anyone if they don't want to. And the same goes for NBC and everybody else. Access is a subsidiary of CBS. So it's basically like getting a subcontractor. They, they, that channel, which is owned by the guys that own Impact, gets subcontracted to put their product on TV. Which means that their ratings do not have to be shown to the public. However, this past week, the ratings did slip out. I don't know how it did. I don't know if it's a fake number. Whatever it might be. They actually had 200,000 people watch the show. They haven't had that many people. They have flirted with 100,000. And that's not a lot, folks. We're still a long way to go from where Impact TNA used to be. But hear me out here. They gained over 90,000 viewers in the last two weeks. 90,000. That's a big deal. Now, here's where I'm misconstrued. And it, Impact does this sometimes. They take two steps. It's not one step forward, two steps back. It's two steps forward, one step back for them. So it's like, I have one big issue. I love Eddie Edwards. Don't get me wrong. The guy works his butt off. I don't like his in-ring gear, and I don't know what his persona is. But he's a champion. Fine, he's a workhorse. But, you know, I, I just, I don't know. It's very, very weird to me that they made him the champion. 
Oh, and the reason why I didn't mention Eric Young earlier. This is why I wanted to get into Eric Young. It looks like Eric Young and Eddie Rivers are going to fuse. Feud. I'm okay with that. I just think that Eric Young should have been the one that got the championship. However, it should have been Eddie chasing him. We don't get that. We get the opposite. And again, like I said, two steps forward, one step back. They're completely opposite than the same. They do ten great things, and then the one big thing... Hogan said something. I've said it before on the podcast. And he said it when he was talking about impact when he had just left. You can make a big mistake every once in a while. When you keep making little mistakes, constantly, people stop watching. They just get fed up. This wasn't one of those things that I think is going to take it that route. I could be wrong. I like Eddie Edwards. I'd much rather have Davey Richards back as the Wolves uh, to feud with the new returning Motor City Machine Guns, who are the champions. There literally was eight returns. slash. They have, really, they have literally taken one pay-per-view and completely reset their roster. It's interesting again, folks. <laughs> so if you're bored... And even if you don't have access, you don't even need key cable. to. You can literally watch them for free. All you have to do is download the Twitch channel. Make a, It's free to sign up. So all you got to do is sign up. And all you got to do is like the Impact Wrestling official channel. And every Tuesday night, you can watch Impact for free. You don't even need a cable company. And the kind of cool thing about it is... There's no commercials. So they dip in into an old match and maybe they'll go like three quarters away so you watch the finish. And then it's right back to the show again. I like the concept. It works out perfectly. Plus they can get some more viewers and people who are gamers who maybe haven't watched wrestling. What is this? Oh, I like this. I like that. And they do anywhere from 30, I think it's like 20 to 30,000 views a week on on Twitch. Well, if you add that to the 200,000, that's 220,000 views that they've hit in the last, you know, they had their biggest month of July with the YouTube. I mean, you guys really should check out Impact. It's not as bad as you think. Yeah, it's bad because there's no crowd right now, but it's really not bad. I'm actually, yeah, everybody knows I like Impact. I get it. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not defending them. I won't defend them if they do something stupid. Okay. And there's really nothing in the last couple weeks that I've had to complain about. Now, WWE, on the other hand, I complain away. So, that's where we're at on that. Uh, I did mention Brian Myers debuted. He hasn't officially been in the ring yet. That's Kurt Hawkins, for those who don't know. He, uh, he's been doing these vignettes, he's got this mask thing on, like, half of his face, it's pretty cool, like, I don't know, I'm interested to see what they do with him. Last time they brought him in, he just, he got lost in the mid-card, but it was also a different time with the company, and they were in the middle of being bought and stuff, it didn't work out well. This could work out well. Uh, EC3 and Moose, the, the TNA belt angle, I want this TNA title gone. If EC3 can win this and then burn it, would be a fantastic way to end this angle. How many more people can Moose take on for TNA? There's not many people left because, I mean, a quarter of the TNA roster is on the Impact roster. I didn't like this from the start. Moose it should have been built to win the Impact title. In fact, Moose should have won the Impact title at Slammiversary. No, I'm not a big Moose fan. It just makes sense. He's they they've built. He has the best entrance there. They've built him to be this mega star because he's a football player then let him win the belt see where it goes if it doesn't go anywhere if the ratings don't move then take it off of it I don't know what to tell you but I'm interested to see where they go with EC3 and Moose it should be interesting uh, also the Good Brothers I mean and all these other guys that have showed up the tag division went from one or two tag teams to now like four five so they're reamping their tag division hello WWE if the third company decides, oh, oh, crap, I don't have any tag teams. i got to fix this. They realized it. They went and got the Good Brothers. They still have the North. They have TJP and Falaba, which gets no respect. They have Reno Scum, which is decent. I never really cared for him. But they've got some tag teams. Do they have to work on some tag teams? Yes. Do I think throwing... 
two or three. I don't know what that pang was. <laughs> uh, two or three um, good tag teams. I'm digging it. We'll see where it goes. Now, let's get into this. The top five for this week. I actually had to call somebody. Well, I text somebody because I couldn't figure out a top five. I was like, what in the world? What am I going to do with this top five? Here's where I went with. Well, this, it, and it, it, it was his idea. Top five referees of all time. Now let me explain myself with this one. Okay, this was freaking hard. Like, number one, the majority of work I did in the business, I was a referee. The most fun I had in the business, I was a referee. I've always wanted to be a manager, but nobody lets me be a manager. <laughs> so, I, I mean, that's what I've really wanted to do other than referee was be a manager. However, we're talking about referees here. Let me give you some experience on being a referee. It is not as easy as everybody thinks it is. Oh, you put on the shirt, you count to three, that's the end. Everything else works itself out. Oh, no, 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 no. That is not how it works. There are secrets that need to stay secrets. Okay. That you learn as a referee. And, I mean, I'm sure there's people out here that know the secrets now. So, I mean, there's it's hard to keep kayfabe alive. But there's things a referee does that if you didn't have that referee, sometimes the show could go out of whack. Maybe someone misses a finish. Maybe someone misses a spot, but you as a referee heard the guys in the back talking about, hey, you got this coming up. Or you're about to go home, which means you're in the match. And that's for TV. That only happens usually during TV time. Indies, and eh, there should never be any time limits in indie matches. I mean, you shouldn't be going out there and going doing brawlways every match, but I, it used to drive me nuts when I worked on the indie scene. And they'd have a board, yeah, having a board to show you who's taking on who and whatever's going to happen in the match and whatever. But to put a time strain on indie guys, it's just, it almost blows my mind sometimes. Like, who puts a time limit on indie matches? You're, you're, the point of the indies, to me, indies is just training. You're training, some guys get stuck in the indies, it's unfortunate. But that's what you're, 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 you're in front of 100 people. So what if you mess up in front of 100 people? You just can't mess up into 50,000 people because they'll all let you know about it. 100 people, yeah, this guy might say, oh, he sucks, he messed up. But maybe you come back next week and have a stellar match. He's like, yeah, he's actually pretty good. And I've seen that happen. I've done it at indie shows I've been to. Like, especially back in the day when I used to go watch the MCW shows all the time. Like, half of those guys are now in WWE, but yet they sucked when I went and watched them. So, to be an indie referee it's a lot easier than being in WWE because one, you don't have an earpiece. So you don't have somebody in your ear saying, oh, move over to that corner. Move to it should be organic. Okay. One of the big problems I have with referees, before I get into the top five, is when a referee is bigger than the wrestler. And I know nowadays that's a lot harder to really do. But in WWE back in the day, the referees were like, I mean, I'm only 137 pounds dripping wet with bricks in my shoes. But the guys were so big, so the referees look so small. Now it's like, like nothing. I love Adam Cole, so don't, don't, t AJ Styles too. You know, I like some small guys. However, when the referee is huge, I mean, tall, big and fat, move around slow, there's no mannerisms in the ring. It looks pathetic. I hate it. I can't. It drives me nuts when a referee looks way bigger than the wrestlers that are in the ring. And you can find short referees. You can find small referees. I'm one of them. And the other thing that bothers me too, and this isn't being chauvinistic at all, but women refing men matches makes zero sense. Zero. It drives me absolutely nuts when I see that. The men should referee the men matches. The women should referee the women's matches. That way, when you do a bump, it, it, the guys are going to tend to ease up on the women. Let's just be honest. 
Sometimes the bumps do look bad, but most of the time the guys are easy on the women, especially in WWE. I can't say that for Impact because they're pretty, <laughs> they don't really care about that kind of shit. WWE has investors. They have network people, and hopefully Impact gets to that point, but they're not there yet. The problem with having a referee so big is not believable. It is zero belief in a woman referee in a man's match. There's no belief in it. She gets hit, she should be knocked out completely. Like, in, in your mind. So... I have ranted long enough. I'm at 50 minutes. I'm way past where I want to be. Uh, so, but let's do the top five referees all the time. Number five. Let's start from the bottom, work our way up. Randy Anderson was a WCW referee. If you don't remember Randy Anderson, he was that short, kind of pudgy-looking dude with curly hair, and he had like a... He looked like Ron Jeremy, but he was smaller. Randy Anderson had a very weird three-count, but his mannerisms made him one of the best referees of all time. His counts really were real quick. Like, I mean, I got that. If you go back and look at WrestleMania, I actually caught myself doing the Randy Anderson count. I don't know why, but I was doing it. And I'm like, what? I went back and looked. And I was like, what the hell did I do that for? Um, but whatever. So, that's number five. Randy Anderson refereed a lot of good matches, especially in the WCW era around like 93 to about like 97. Randy Anderson was involved in some major angles. Um, I'm just going to tell you now, the honorable mentions is Nick Patrick. And let me explain why it should be Nick Patrick. I cannot put him in the top five because I can't stand the way he counts, I can't stand the way he moves around, but he was a fantastic referee when it come down to laying down the law and order. So that's where I'm going to give him the honorable mention. He made that believable. The rest of his stuff he didn't. I couldn't stand Nick Patrick. Even when he bumped, he looked fake when he was bumping. He'd throw his hands in the air after he got punched. It used to make me so mad. <laughs> so... Um, if you're going to take a bump from a wrestler, you better take a bump like you just got murdered. Uh, number four, Mark Curtis. Rest in peace, Mark. Mark Curtis used to wear suspenders while he was reffing. He was the small guy. He had curly fro hair. I don't know if most of you probably will ever remember him, so you'll have to look him up. This guy was smaller than I am, which is saying something. He moved around super fast. I almost feel like the way I'm going to talk to about him, he should be number one, but I just can't put him because of longevity. He Unfortunately, he passed away. If he was able to, if he was alive through the 2000, Mark Curtis would probably have been one of the best referees of all time. Period. He did everything a referee is supposed to. When he got hit, he looked like he got destroyed. And hopefully, in the matches that I've done, and, and every once in a while I go back and watch the matches I I don't like watching the matches I wrestled in because I wasn't that good. I didn't have that many matches to be good. And it was partly my fault because I got out of the business and I shouldn't have. But refereeing, I feel like I'm pretty good at refing. I've been told I'm pretty good, and that doesn't mean I am, but... Hey, you know, when people who have been in the business say, hey, man, you're a really good referee. Like, you got to take it for something. So maybe I do know what I'm talking about a little bit. Mark Curtis did everything right that you're supposed to do as a referee. And like I said, the only reason he's not number one and he's number four is because the guys in front of him had longevity and they really did some major, big, bigger things than he did. Um, I do believe Mark Curtis got the main event, a bunch of main events on Nitro. But I think that was the extent of it. I don't remember him ever getting that big shot on pay-per-view to main event a show. So that might help out as to why I put him number four. Number three is Brian Hepner. Well, as we'll get... I mean, I could actually do this two and three together. Because they're, they're, I mean, they're related. The next one's Earl Hepner. Okay? You learn from the best is the best way to put this. I remember seeing Brian Hepner for the first time in WWE, and then I got to watch. I had the pleasure of watching him in the TNA slash Impact. The guy's amazing. 
you can tell he knows what he's doing. He, I've seen him actually fix guys in the ring. Like, as in, dude, grab the tag rope. Or, dude, um, you know, uh, kick out. Uh, when a guy doesn't kick out or doesn't even look like he's about to attempt out. I actually watched him move his hand underneath of a shoulder one time because the finish was wrong and the guys thought that the other dude was going to win. <laughs> so, he fixed it in mid-match. I cannot remember. It happened sometime around like 2000, 2000, like 2006, 2007, I think. Um, just good stuff. He, he's just a, a great referee, and I think, I believe he's an NWA power now. But that company's in big question. Um, I mean, number two is Earl Hebner. Okay. Um, let's just take a look at the matches in our history of growing up around my age. Just the matches that he's been in. The way he bumps, the way he has been used as a double from his identical twin with that whole main event with Hogan and Andre and then Andre winning the belt, selling the belt to, T to DiBiase. I mean, Earl's been in some major stuff. The Montreal Screwjob sticks out of my mind also. Um, I mean, there's just been... It's it's the, the matches, like from, I believe, Warrior Hogan, Warrior Savage, uh, Slaughter and Hogan, all the way down to WrestleMania 8, 9, 10. Like, I mean, even before that, like, there have been so many things that Earl Hepner's been involved in. How do you not put him number two? And you're probably like, how do you not put him at number one? It's a good point. Because he does everything right. The problem is, number one is a guy that probably half of you have no idea, and then the other half are probably like, oh yeah, I know exactly who he's talking about. So let's get into number one. Tommy Young. If you do not know who Tommy Young is, go out and get you a tape, daddy, of the NWA, of the 80s, and go watch Tommy Young referee. Let me give you a for instance. When Sting would hit the Stinger splash in the corner, the look on Tommy Young's face, like, I'll give it to you. It was all, like, <laughs> I don't want to sound corny or look corny, but that is exactly what he did. Go back and look at all my referee matches that I have done. I have taken 80 to 90% of what Tommy Young has done and incorporated it into everything I ever did. From the way he counts, to 10, to the way he, now, I did not count the way Tommy Young does. Some people say I do. Some people say I count like Brian Hebner. You take it for what it's worth. I'll take either one. <laughs> They're both on the top five. So I'm good with that. Tommy Young did the, the flare and dusty stuff. Did all the tag matches. Like, you, the, the, the stuff that he did with WCW and NWA is uncomparable to any referee in the history of this business. I had the pleasure of meeting Tommy Young at Cade, and I sat down for 30 minutes and picked his brain. Now, granted, the guy's much older now. He's in his 70s. He could barely hear me. He turned his... This is what I liked about this guy. He said, hold on. I want to really talk to you. And he turned his hearing aid up so he could hear me better. And he actually moved me to another part of the building so he could talk to me. And he sat down and told me everything I needed to do. Had I took that information and ran with it, two or three years ago and got back into business. Now we're in the middle of a pandemic. I, my plan was to go back to roughing when I moved to Delaware anyway. But I remember everything word for word he told me. And you know what he said to me? And this stuck out in my mind more than anything. Tommy Young said this to me. He says, in order to be a good referee, you got to be a horrible loser. And I sat there for a minute and I'm like, what, what the fuck? What, like, it's part of my French, but I was like, what the hell is he talking about? I said, certain, I was like, no disrespect, but, you know, a referee doesn't win and lose. He goes, oh, really? He goes, yeah, actually, a referee does win or lose. Because if you don't have that crowd invested as a referee, then the rest of the match is going to go to drizzling, basically, craps. And I never put that in my mind until after he told me that. 
And I was like, you know what, man? Damn, the referee is a major part of the show. If a referee messes up, it messes the whole show, well, the whole match completely up. I've done it. It's happened to me. I'm not perfect. I did it at Shangatig. Nobody really noticed it, but I covered it up. That's what I'm saying here, folks. Tommy Young is the best referee ever. Bar none. Period. Everything he does is 100% exactly, in my opinion, how you should do it as a referee. So, folks, that was the Turnbuckle Takeover this week. I'm at one hour. About 15 minutes too long. <laughs> so, uh, you guys take care during this pandemic. Um, so... I'm going to try next week, do another episode. Hopefully we have, I don't know, some good stuff to really talk about. This has been your host, Billy Bailey, your host with the most. I love you guys. Hit like, subscribe, check out Les on his Marvin uh, Storm News page. Uh, give him a click, like, and subscribe. Thank you, guys. I will see you next week on the Turnbuckle Takeover.